action is that missing puzzle piece. Education can help, but if you're just sitting and watching and listening and not implementing, I I think it's going to be a hard climb for you. Welcome back to another episode of the Freelance Friday Podcast. I'm your host, Latasha, and I have a new obsession. I don't typically watch a ton of TV, but I recently binge-watched the Netflix show, How to Get Rich, hosted by Ramit Sethi. And I will be honest, the title really put me off. It's why I didn't click on it for a couple months. I think it's been out for a while now. Uh, but let me tell you, the the name is really, I don't want to say it's clickbait, but it's not as kind of bro-y as the name might suggest. I thought it was a really great entry point into personal finance for anyone who maybe like me is not super knowledgeable about that kind of stuff. I really found it very accessible and very helpful. This is not an ad for the show. You can, of course, check it out if you want to. It's on Netflix, like I said, but I wanted to actually respond to something that Ramit said on the show. There was probably a one minute long segment where he gave his three tips to get started as a business owner. And I wanted to kind of expand upon those thoughts, give you my reaction and uh, just share them with you because I thought it was really brilliant. I have to be careful about what I share here, especially for the YouTube version. So I will read you the transcript of what he said. A lot of business owners spend the first year in business getting websites set up, getting business cards, and thinking about how to create an LLC. I think this is a total waste of time. You know what matters in business? Getting people to pay you. This is seriously up there in the top five questions or so that I get every single week on Instagram, here on YouTube, in my courses. It's, should I be an LLC? Should I have a website? Should I, you know, do business cards? Should I create merch? And I'm not going to say that those things are not important because they are definitely things that you need to consider. But I'm going to be honest. I think that is where we kind of get into that overthinking uh, space. When I first started my business, I had none of that. I had no idea what I was doing. And I think in so many ways, that was kind of a blessing. That sort of ignorance that I had was a bit of a superpower. When I started freelancing, I was very young. I was in my very early 20s, if that. I didn't really understand even how taxes worked. I mean, of course I paid them, but I was just working W-2 mall jobs and things like that at the time. So I didn't have this complex knowledge of the tax system and, you know, all of this stuff. I didn't overthink it. I just saw there was a website called Upwork or I saw that a friend had a friend who needed a video shot and I did it and I took the check. I was luckily had the foresight to record that income and make sure to report it at the end of the year, but I really wasn't overthinking it too much. Anyway, he goes on to say, start by doing your research. Look at your competitors. Talk to prospects. Think about how you might be different than everyone else out there. Next, focus on getting three clients as quickly as possible. The first one might be your mom. The second one might be your grandma grandpa. (laughs) But the third one is not a fluke. And finally, now that you've gotten those three clients, you know exactly how to get more. Focus on more clients and raise your rates steadily. So that three-step process is really what I want to dive into for today's episode. I'm going to share all of my tips and how exactly you can do it. Let's hop in. First though, have you heard of the Freelance Friday Club? Because if you are looking for expert advice, if you're looking for a community, if you're looking for a forum, a place where you can get advice, bounce ideas off of others, including myself, you should check it out. 
freelancefriday.club is where you can find us. I'll also link the website down in the show notes. We're going through a little bit of a refresh very soon. So if you get in now, you'll be able to save this legacy rate, which is very exciting. I'll be introducing a ton more video content to the membership and and lots more. But for now, there are bi-weekly Zoom calls that you're invited to with me to chat about all things business, freelancing, entrepreneurship, as well as an ongoing community forum where you can post any day, any time. I'd love to see you in there. Okay. The first piece, start by doing your research. Look at your competitors. Talk to prospects. Think about how you can be different. What he is explaining here is coming up with your unique value proposition. That's that piece about think about what you do differently than everybody else. And this is really important. This is the one thing that I would say is more important than a website, more important than an LLC, more important than any of that stuff is you have to know what you're selling and why people should buy it from you. Sure. Maybe you want to do social media. Maybe you want to do web design. Maybe you want to do photography. Maybe you want to do coaching but dive a little bit deeper into your target audience. Who do you want to serve? A social media manager for a, I don't know, Fortune 100 bank and a social media manager for a solopreneur in the wellness space are two very different um, offers, right? They're two very different business owners. They have different positioning. They're gonna be using different tactics to acquire clients and to reach and really speak to those clients. So you gotta know who you're looking to serve. And I think this is great advice that he says, you know, talk to prospects, look at your competitors. I think those are really valid methods of figuring out exactly what that messaging is going to be, exactly what your purpose really is. I love informational interviews with prospects. I think it's super valuable just putting yourself out there. And yes, you have to be a little bit vulnerable to do this. Like, business ownership is one of the most emotional things I've ever done. Feels like I'm going to therapy every day. It's kind of intense, but you have to humble yourself a little bit. Put yourself out there on LinkedIn or wherever you have something of a semi-professional network built up and just say, hey, I'm looking to become a social media manager. I'm looking to become a web designer. I want to work with wellness brands. I want to work with corporate companies. I want to work with solopreneurs, whatever. If anyone falls into that category, I would love to just have a coffee chat with you. I'm happy to give you some free advice in exchange for you sharing a little bit about what some of your pain points are in this specific area. That's all there is to it. Don't sell. Don't use these as discovery calls. Just use these as opportunities to listen and learn more about your target audience. Figure out what they need. I think looking at competitors is also great when we start thinking about pricing. This is another huge question that I get all the time. And I always say, right, pricing is personal. Number one, you have to go with what feels good because if you feel resentful when you wake up in the morning to have to do a job, even if that's the same amount that I'm charging or the next person's charging, that is not your price. That's not your price if you're feeling resentful of it and your work is going to suffer because of it. So pricing is definitely personal, but competitors and you know others in our industry can help us benchmark, can help us understand what kind of the going rate is. And then we can flex up or down from there, depending on our experience, depending on you know our specific industry, depending on our kind of get out of the bed rate and what really makes us feel good. The next thing I love that he says is next focus on getting three clients as quickly as possible. So the concept he's describing here 
is failing fast. I have said something very similar in the past. I've said, I want you to get 10 no's, which sounds kind of weird. And I get it. It throws people off sometimes because it sounds scary. But getting 10 no's means that you are likely going to find one yes if you get 10 no's. And if you don't, if you get just straight up 10 no's, there was no yeses in between that, that probably means something needs to change with that first step, with that core offer, with that unique value proposition. Something is not connecting properly. Maybe you are using a script you know, during your pitch emails that you found online and looks like everybody else's and you got to get rid of that. Maybe your offer, again, is not what people actually need. Maybe you're trying to pitch a course, but your clients need one-on-one work or vice versa. Maybe you're reaching the wrong audience. Maybe you are busy pitching to mom and pop shops who don't have a ton of budget, but you really need to be pitching to mid-sized corporate companies. So you'll learn. That's the point of failing fast. By getting 10 no's or by getting three clients as quickly as possible, you will fail fast. You will win fast. You will learn how to change paths quickly and you won't stay stuck. I think the core of this message that he's really sharing and what I fully agree with is is that when you have a great business idea or even just a good business idea, even just a standard business idea, you need to move on it. Action is really the best teacher. Sitting and thinking and stewing about it forever and ever, I'm not I'm not telling you that you don't need to, you know, think about it at all or that you need to just start a business completely recklessly, but you learn so much more from just doing. When I first started, I had no idea what I was doing. I just said, yes, I took a chance on myself and I said, yes, I do know about writing. Yes, I do know about filming people for videos. And I took those first gigs. Are there things I would do differently about those first gigs today? Absolutely. I mean, I would crush it compared to then, but there's a reason that we're a beginner. And honestly, there are so many things throughout my career that I wouldn't have even known that I needed to to do differently. Like you don't know what you don't know. You just have to experience. So experience is the best teacher. Action is the best teacher. Just get in there and start. I also love that he brings up, hey, your first client might be your mom. The next one might be your grandpa. And I, I get asked all the time, you know, should I take on family projects, friends projects, things like that. And I think there's certainly a lot of nuance to that that we can get into in a different episode if you are interested in my thoughts on. You know, you don't want to let people take advantage of you. You do want to keep things professional, all of that. But experience is experience. Get experience where you can get experience. Don't think too hard about, is this the perfect experience? Is this going to look good if it's, you know, my, my mom or my husband or my cousin or whatever? It's better than nothing. If I'm trying to hire somebody to do my website, I would rather see that you've built a website for your husband or your cousin or your aunt or whatever than for nobody, right? So just always keep that in mind. Am I moving forward? Is this better than the alternative? Is this better than sitting and watching one more video, thinking about one more idea, even taking one more course? Listen, I think education has its value, but I honestly, what I see from my courses personally is the students that tend to really thrive, that really tend to have the best outcomes for my courses are those that are implementing while taking the course, meaning they're going through module by module and they're actually trying these things out for their own brands or for a client or trying to get clients. I think action is that missing puzzle piece. Education can help, but if you're just sitting and watching and listening and not implementing, 
I, I think it's going to be a hard climb for you. The third one is not a fluke. This is proof of concept. You know, if you can do it once, okay, one could argue someone was just helping you out. They were throwing you a bone there or you just got lucky Two, okay, maybe you got again, you got lucky again. But three, usually you're not going to get three handouts in a row. Usually you're not going to get that that lucky three times in a row. Three experiences, three clients, three portfolio pieces usually is a good number. It's a good indicator that, hey, this, this idea has some legs. This is not just a fluke. I am not just getting lucky. I can actually scale this thing. And that's the third piece of advice he really gives. He says, you know exactly how to get more. Focus on more clients and raise your rates steadily. That's scaling, right? That is growing your business. You can't survive off one, two, or three clients. In most cases, you've got to keep that engine moving. You know, I do really like that he encourages us to get three clients as quickly as possible. But I think from here, my advice is actually to scale moderately or, or, or slowly, you know, not so slow that you can't pay the bills and that you're, you know, working with one client a year, but you also don't want to have this hyper growth to where you can't keep up because this is the thing that I do see. I certainly experienced it. I will be fully honest about it and have been in the past that there was a period of growth for me after that first like six months or so of being a full-time freelancer. Once I really started to have all my ducks in a row and it started to become kind of like clockwork onboarding a new client, started to get really good at discovery calls, like scary good to where I was closing, like almost every single one, which is a good problem to have. But then I was left with all the work. Then I didn't have the infrastructure in my business set up. I didn't have that plan to how was I going to hire people? How was I going to like pay my taxes? And like, what, what were all the legalities and all the, you know, those little details here and there. So I think once you do get those first three, four or five clients, you develop that proof of concept. That's a good time to take a little pause and to say, all right, what are some of those structural things that I need to figure out in my business? Are there any tools that I need to be using to you know, automate or to create a system around any of these processes that I have? Are there any of those legal or, or business type things that I need to hash out? And do I need to get a better bookkeeping system or hire a bookkeeping team? All of these things are kind of those next level, next level um, considerations. And they are important considerations. But again, for most of us, we don't really need to be thinking about that from day one. My first freelance project was like $20 a blog post. And then a video that I did was probably like $300. I mean, these were not amounts that were going to completely change my tax situation or um, you know, get me sued for millions of dollars. But once you do start signing on bigger contracts, taking on more liability, all of that stuff, then yes, absolutely go back to the drawing board and also think about how you're going to scale. How are you going to bring people in to help you? Because you can't do it alone. Maybe you can. You probably should not be doing it all alone. It is quite hard to run a successful, thriving, growing business with absolutely zero help. The last piece that he says that I absolutely love is he says, focus on raising your rates steadily. Yes, raise your rates. If you haven't heard it lately, raise your rates. This is a part of my annual checklist. So usually the first month out of every single year, I'm spending it kind of working on some of the behind the scenes things. And one of those things is raising my rates for the year ahead. 
I get this question a lot. Do you raise rates for existing clients or only new clients? And it depends on the service to some degree. Like if somebody is in an ongoing contract and they've signed for a year and they signed in June, well, no, their rate is going to stay the same till at least the end of our contract. If we choose to renew, then I'll, I'll evaluate. I'll see if I feel like uh, we are at a point where the scope has changed from the beginning or maybe something is going on in the market that has required me to, you know, pay for new tools or more education or something like that. But definitely for any new clients that come on, they're getting an updated rate every single year. I think this is incredibly important, not just because you are growing every year as a professional, but also because, you know, inflation happens every year. You know, the cost of living gets higher and higher and you have to be able to keep up with that. Cash flow, poor cash flow. I think it's one of the number one reasons that most small businesses fail in this country. And it can sometimes feel selfish to ask for what you deserve. I get it. I've been there. It's not selfish. It allows you to do your best work. It allows you to dedicate time and energy to your clients and really provide them the best quality work that you absolutely can. And uh, also just you deserve it, right? If you're working at a corporate job, hopefully you would be getting an annual raise, even if it was only a small amount. That is what they're there for. And uh, you deserve that as a freelancer or business owner as well. So what do you think of Ramit's tips? Let me know in the comments. I thought they were super helpful and I thought they were very well articulated. One thing I'd like to add, and I probably should have given the disclosure at the beginning of this episode that I am not a financial professional or a legal professional and that, you know, you have to do your own research. But the one thing I will give you a little warning just from my personal experience is even if you are not go into the business registration offices and filing an LLC the day that you take on your first client, you should make sure that you are tracking both your revenue and your expenses because you're going to need those come tax time. Just because you don't have an LLC on day one doesn't mean that you don't have to pay taxes. Like don't don't mix that up. Don't get it twisted. Don't get yourself in trouble. It will also probably serve you well to have a separate business banking and or checking and or credit account from your personal accounts, even before you have like your formal business entity, because at the end of the year, when you do go to do your taxes, you're going to want all that stuff in one place. You don't want to have to sort through all of your, you know, personal expenses to try to get to what you spent on your business or what you made from your business. So keep that in mind. And I heard this on a podcast years ago. I think it was the Being Boss podcast. I listened to that one a lot when I was considering quitting my day job. And one of the hosts, she said, you know, I got this advice from somebody else years ago that your job as a business owner is to make money. Once you start making money, you can then pay somebody to figure out what the heck to do with your money in terms of taxes or business formation, you know, which ones are going to be the best fit for you, which ones are going to save you the most money in taxes, all of that stuff. So I do rely on a bookkeeping and accounting team to help me through a lot of that stuff. They're fantastic. I'm so grateful for them. It's not to say that I'm completely ignorant about this stuff because I do think, yes, you got to be knowledgeable about what exactly you're doing. Don't just take somebody's advice and run with it. But they do a lot of the heavy lifting for me and at least a lot of that primary research so that 
I can really focus on doing what I do best, which is making money and then making the final decisions and the final sign off. So that's absolutely something that you do want to think about, but you got to make money first. You have to prove that your business is viable, that it's got legs before you even get too ahead of yourself and freak yourself out and get too scared by it all. Just focus on making money. That's what I got to say. And, uh, uh, Remy, he agrees with me as well. So anyway, let me know if you watch the show too. I'm really curious. I, I thought it was really interesting. I kind of can't wait for more. He does have a YouTube channel too. Uh, actually I haven't watched his YouTube videos yet, but maybe I should, maybe I should try to get him on the podcast. I don't know. Anyway, thanks so much for tuning in to today's episode. I really hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was helpful and I'll talk to you in my next one. Bye.